This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I, I turned my light on to record a voiceover for the Hitman review. And then while I was editing it, I forgot to turn it off. So Rachel was very quietly making her way upstairs. And then when she didn't hear anything come from the room, she burst through the door and went, oh, you're f***ing recording then, are you? So, shit. <laughs> she thought you were having a sneaky Sherman. <laughs> <laughs> everybody and welcome to episode 113 of the Stacey West podcast. I am Ben and Gary is with me. How are you doing? Cracking. Good stuff. I'm presuming that that might have something to do with the fact that, uh, just check, yeah, it's the 29th of January and Lincoln City are still top of League One. No, no, I've got a new tablet. Oh, okay. What did you end up getting? Um... Good question. The box is here. Hang on. Samsung. I know that. I can never get it. It's all just letters and numbers, isn't it? Uh, A7. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Right. I think the that's the same that, one. I think that's the same as my work tablet. I essentially got it for free. That's always even better, isn't it? Yeah, because I had a deal with Vodafone way back when I started doing the States US and I was going to press conferences before um, uh, before lockdown and all that. I got a, a Vodafone N8 tablet, which is utter crap. I, I never realised that you could get two Android tablets and one of them wouldn't be able to download some apps just because the app wasn't compatible with the tablet. It baffles me. I just thought all apps, all Android apps would work on all Android tablets. But anyway, um, so I got, this is completely, you know, nobody cares. I get it. But I got <laughs> a, uh, a Vodafone SIM card with that for 50 gig of data. And basically I've been using that for the last four years now. Uh, but the contracts run out and I've still been paying 30 quid a month for it. So I've cancelled that, ordered a new one. The new one's unlimited, not 50 gig. And I get the tablet. Booyaka. Martin Lewis, money man, eat your heart out. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not bad. I mean, you know, if, you, if you're having problems with, with apps playing in the, uh, you know, depending on which tablet you've got, the easiest thing to do, mate, go iOS. Go what, sorry? Go iOS. Go it's down iOS. The the Apple route, mate. Oh God! Do you know? <clears throat> I've, I've told this joke before. I know, but do you know how somebody? You know how somebody's got an iPhone? I'll tell you. Exactly. All yeah. the time, I put on Twitter 
uh, I'd like, you know, I w- I'm thinking of either getting this tablet or this tablet. What should I get? And instantly all the Apple users go for an iPad. I, if I'd wanted an iPad, it would have been one of the choices. I don't <laughs> go up to put my lottery numbers on and go, I'll have number four, six, 13, 147, I was going to write them down. 60, then. 12. You, do you know what I mean? I was going to yeah. write those down then because you've been pretty good with predictions recently. I have been pretty good with predictions recently. Let's get back onto football. Although, <laughs> to be fair, my Portsmouth prediction was a bit of a cheat, wasn't it? Well, I think it was, but you know, ultimately, when you when you say, "Oh, I was going to go, I was going to go nil nil," but then went with one nil, it's like you. Just you don't need to say that. Just say yeah, one nil. It's fine. Yeah, but I'm an honest man. A prediction. I didn't think we'd win the game, um, and I only said that we would win the game because I've been on a roll, and now I'm under huge pressure, basically, <laughs> to say either that we're going to win the game or after 60 minutes that it's going to be nil nil. Well, we don't do 60 minute predictions. So on, a, on Twitter, obviously, if it's nil nil at 60 minutes, I put it's got nil nil. It's got nil nil over it. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. Um, but no, let's let's talk about Tuesday because it was it was a massive game um, going into it. I think it was probably um, I think we we're all pretty nervy about it. I know I was I was a bit on edge about it, but um, coming away from it, I've got to say, my dad actually rang me yesterday and said that he had felt sick all afternoon, genuinely didn't feel well purely in anticipation and worry about the game and it only eased at half time wow i mean that, that shows doesn't it it's, it was it was a massive massive game i mean we'd not won it i mean admittedly we haven't played there for you know was it twice in the last 40 years or something uh only once isn't it i think because we um i mean 40 years we'd, we'd played a couple of times at the beginning of the 80s but obviously we've only really played there once i think since 82 83 so Right. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like saying bloody hell, we haven't won at Anfield in <laughs> sixty years. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was that was the thing that like, and we'll come on to to a few other bits in a minute. But like, the first thing to mention, obviously, at the minute we can't have um, uh, Michael and Rob doing the commentary um, on iFollow, so we were sort of almost forced to listen to the uh, the Portsmouth commentary and. <laughs> It started off, and I thought, you know what, these guys are. I think Gaz is going to like these guys, and he's going to use this against me because they're obviously doing research as well. You know, they were they were knowledgeable about players. They'd obviously had some sort of crib sheet. They were they were talking about you know some of the players quite highly, um, but they they did bring attention to the fact that you know Lincoln hadn't won Fratton Park in God knows how many years. And I thought, well, have we actually played there? Like they then turned around and said, oh, well, it's obviously not a regular fixture for them. I thought, no, you can't say it's not a regular fixture when, like you say, we played there once in 30 years. Just a bit of a ridiculous statement to me. But um, it, I, I think, it, do you know what? I've actually, I've noticed this. I've noticed a lot of criticism of Michael and Rob uh, on social media. And actually commentating is very, very hard. I mean, I, oh, I'd, yeah. love to, I'd, I'd love to do it. I really would. Dream job for me. Um, but it's, do you know what? It, it is tough because you cannot have any dead 
airtime so you're having to say the same things over and over again and then people say oh they're recycling stuff so yeah. i didn't actually mind that I, I take your point on board yeah it seems like a ridiculous stat um but i saw uh, courtesy of pete i saw a, uh, a twitter post the other day uh, that when man united beat liverpool um i can't think of the player now tiago i think it was played the most idea passes in the game and i think do you know what I'd rather take a stat that we haven't won there in 40 years and not played there in 40 years than make up a type of pass uh, <laughs> to put onto Twitter. So I think it's tough. And I know that we're going to talk about some of the Portsmouth incidents as well. But I, I, you know, aside from the one issue that they kept labouring on, I did think they were decent commentators. I mean, Guy Whittingham should be. He's probably a little bit, you might not remember him as a player being a, a young cherub, but I certainly do. Um, and you know, he, he was a cracking striker. I mean, he scored goals for fun. Um, really, really good footballer. Yeah, they they verged between the two, and it's interesting. Yeah, they, they verged between being really good um, and then just irritating the hell out of me. At one point, I thought I'm going to have to turn these boys off, and then they then they said something positive. Um, but it's you know, I I actually worry about listening to games without Michael or Rob because I just get used to it. And uh, mm. you know, I don't care. Other people say that they're bad commentators and that sort of thing. Um, and I, I strongly, strongly disagree with that. Uh, mm. I thought the AFC Wimbledon guys were really good. They, that was the other away game that we uh, we listened to. But yeah. I, you know, other people say, oh, well, time, you should time the radio with the I follow and then listen to Michael and Rob. Uh, but I can't do that because I've got Twitter on as well. And, you know, my mm. I follow feed's always 20 seconds behind Twitter anyway. So... Yeah, I mean, it was. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll agree with you in in sticking up for for Michael Rock. I think it's like I said, it is a very hard job to do, and I quite like the the sense of humour that they bring to the games. You know, and they they have those you know the conversations and stuff. It's like people say, oh well, you know, it, it, it's annoying or whatever. Fine, you know, I find some things annoying that I I have to watch or listen to. You know, I, I have to listen to your voice every Thursday night, but I still do it. You know, it's it's kind of how it is. Um, but I don't listen to yours. It's like white noise. <laughs> you just hear the inflection when there's a question and then make an answer up. Is that it? Yeah, basically. I, I tend to count the times. I know when you get started, I think, oh, God, here goes 40 seconds and nothing. And then I can look at my watch and then I'll have, there'll be a little bit of silence and it'll be like, oh, he's finished saying that. I wonder what he's going to say next. Ah, oh, you absolute twat. Anyway, you you started that. <laughs> you brought that on yourself. So anyway, Portsmouth. Look, yeah. you know what? I uh, Because I have obviously why scout and I love a stat, I actually thought I would have a quick look at the first 30 minutes because you can break the stats down by the first 30 minutes. Now, we'll talk about an incident in the 30th minute that obviously um, got picked up a little bit in commentary. Yeah, um, something and, happened. I don't know what it was. Yeah, it did. Um, so up until the goal, I mean, I love XG, uh, and people were telling me Portsmouth were saying that they were they were in the game. The XG in the first thirty minutes, ours was zero point two eight, theirs was zero point zero four. So they created nothing in the first thirty minutes, and we'd created what three what a thirty percent chance of going in our goal. So you know if we did the same every three games we would statistically arguably be one nil up in one of the games. In terms of passes, they played more. So they played 136 passes, 114 of which were successful compared to our 129, 99 of which were successful. But in terms of forward passes, they only played 48 forward passes in the first 30 minutes, whereas we played 58 forward passes. 
and they had better possession 55 to 45. So in actual fact, this myth that they were on top is not the case. They'd passed from side to side a little bit more than we had. Um, but they hadn't put anything really meaningful together. And that forward pass, you know, we played 10 forward passes more than them. And when you think that's only over a 30-minute period, so we played a forward pass more every three minutes. So we were, you know, up until an incident that no doubt we will talk about, um, we had the better chances in terms of XG. Yes, we played fewer passes, albeit just seven fewer passes, but we played 10 more forward well, I think that's I think that's really telling. Yeah, I mean, when you, I, I thought for the first half an hour, you know, I thought we were on top by quite a way. I I, I can't, <clears throat> excuse me, I can't really see where this um, this idea came from that you know Portsmouth were were well in front. I mean, it yeah, it it didn't make sense to me, and I don't think they created much throughout the game, and obviously that is partly due to. To, to what happened on half an hour. So, well, their um, XG throughout the whole game, by the way, was only zero point two five. So we created more in the first thirty minutes than they subsequently created all game in terms of clear cut chances. I mean, obviously they, you know, they had a couple of free kicks go over and one cleared off the line, um, but they weren't quality chances. Uh, so yeah. they, you know, we created more in thirty than they created in ninety. Yeah, I mean, you know, what was that? I think we had. Was it nearly nearly twenty shots on on goal? I'm not sure 17. how many on seventeen. So yeah, you know, I'm not sure how many on target there was in the end, but I think it was nine. Yeah, so it was it was one of those games when it, it it seemed like we were really knocking on the door all the way through, and you know, I I can't I, I don't think I can sit there and just say oh yeah you know they were battering us for the first half an hour because they, they weren't simply, you know, I don't think Alex Barmer really had much to do at all. Um, I just said that in stats. Yeah. 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 That's what I mean. They didn't have anything. <laughs> he didn't have anything to do. Um, <laughs> such a dick. So let's, um, let's move on to the incident. Cause I'm pretty sure. I mean, it, it was, there was an inkling that something had happened from the commentary. And this is where I think, um, you know, we, we both said it on, on social media that they, they seem to be getting more and more bitter as the game went on. Um, and it was, you know, the, the red card for, for Jack Watmo and it was <sighs> seeing it, seeing it full speed. It looks like a very strong challenge and it looks like a bad tackle. Like it on first glance, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was a free kick and more than likely a red, uh, a yellow card. But then when you see it after the fact, it's the fact that he's gone in with such force and he's lifted his leg off the ground. He's gone up, he's gone in with his studs over the ball. It's it's a straight red card any day of the week. Um, and you know, for for Kenny Jackett to come out afterwards and say, "Oh, well, we're going to appeal it," which I believe I've been reliably informed that it's it, it's not going to be rescinded. Ooh, who told you that? Well, I don't know. It might have been you, Gaz. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, the fact is that when you look at that, I mean, obviously there was a, a still doing the rounds or a few stills doing the rounds shortly afterwards. You see that, you see the, the still image. And I know we've had the conversation before when, you know, when Ellis got sent off that um, still images don't tell the whole story. But you look at the challenge as well in conjunction with that still image. And you think, right, he's gone in with that force, with his foot up and his studs out, you know, studs up. 
could have done some serious damage. Yeah, I think, funnily enough, the Ellis challenge actually sprung to my mind as well, and that's not something we've, we've obviously discussed off air. Uh, that was against Cambridge United, wasn't it, where his, mm. his foot was coming up uh, and their player kind of looked to kick the underside, but the still image looked like he was coming down with his studs. Yeah. Um, but then there was a second picture that went round that showed um, the kind of, I think it was four still images. And the problem that you've got is Watmore has gone off the ground two feet mm. Now, he hasn't gone in with two feet, but he's gone off the ground. He's not in control, and then he's come down with his studs. And, yes, it has, um, as you said, it's been rescinded while while just before we've come on air. And uh, not been rescinded, sorry, before we've come on air. And it was never going to be. Um, never going to be at all. I, I can understand why some you know, ex-professionals are saying, well, the game's gone and Guy Whittingham, I can't see why. And somebody called Joby Makinoff, who's probably got no connection with anybody whatsoever, uh, has been in the Portsmouth news today saying it was a bad tackle. It wasn't a bad tackle and game's gone and da, 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 da. Yeah, I get bored of hearing all that, to be honest, because I actually thought it was good refereeing. Um, I thought Sam Burkis took time. Uh, he didn't rush in with his red card. He wasn't, you know, Billy Big Bollocks. Was he going, here I am, it's my moment. He wasn't uh, Mike Riley or whatever his name is. Um, <laughs> is it Mike, Mike Riley? Dean. Mike Dean. That's him. Who's Mike Riley? I don't know. No, okay, Mike Dean, then whatever. You tell them watch the Premier League. Um, so, you know, it wasn't about him. And I thought he, he refereed sensibly. I thought after that, he, he then had to referee even um, more sensibly because the pressure was on to even it up. And, you know, the commentators, which I know we, we keep going on about, were, you know, well, Portsmouth should be looking to level it up now. And there was a little trip where that Ronan Curtis was in the referee's ear. Now, I've always admired Ronan Curtis, but on the on Tuesday's showing, he looks to me like, like he might be a little bit of a horrible bastard um, <laughs> because he was just, he, he just seemed to be whiny and petulant the whole time. Um, and you've got to get on with it. If you get a red card, you've just got to go, right, we'll, we'll, get, you know, we'll get on with the game as best we can. And Portsmouth didn't. They, you know, if it was a fight, they basically, you know, they took a punch to the jaw and they went, oh, well, I'm going to curl up in a ball now and let you kick me. And that was basically how it was. They just curled up in a ball. You know, they went from 55% possession to right the way down to, I think, 30-something by the end of the game. Um, and uh, then the, everyone sort of saying, oh, weren't they brave battling on with 10 men? It was 10 men. They, do you know what I mean? They didn't go out there with six players or it wasn't like... <laughs> Well, it wasn't, was it? It wasn't like you know, sticking out a COVID-ravaged youth team or something like that. You, mm. You're talking 10 footballers who probably, pound for pound, earn more than any one of our players um, in in the squad. You know, mm. You're talking John Marquis, 2 million. Oh, he's done such a good job leading the line. He's worth 2 million bloody pounds. Do you know what I mean? If he can't play as a lone striker for 60 minutes, bearing in mind they still had Ryan Williams, they still had Ronan Curtis, and they still had Marcus Harness on up until a certain point. If they, do you know what? I just, it annoyed me a bit. I've always had a great respect for Portsmouth, and I thought they played really well when they came to our place. But in actual fact, when I say it annoyed me, I mean it delighted me because obviously we won the game. But I just, <laughs> you know, just that moaning. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it was kind of typified with the... You know, with the attitude of um, of of the commentary team, and you know, I don't want to go on and rag on them for forever, but it it did seem like they sort of had this attitude of, well, you know, we're gonna, you know, we're the big team, we should get the points, and it almost felt like, at least from what was coming out of the 
um, out of the commentary box, it felt like they they seemed entitled to you know to be winning that game. Um, but you know, I think it was it was a testament to to us really because I I just think well obviously coming out you know on top and yes again it was against it was against ten men but I think we've said before you know sometimes it can it can be more difficult to to go up against 10 men and, and come out on top because they'll just stick men behind the ball and make it difficult for you to play. And I don't think, I, I don't think if there'd have been, you know, it's the most obvious statement in the world, but if, you know, if, if they'd had, if they'd had 10 players, uh, 10 men on the pitch till the end, I think we would have seen a massively, massively different game, but thankfully we didn't. And uh, we came away winning. Well, yeah, you're right, because we saw two sides of Lincoln in one game, because for the first 30 minutes, we saw the Lincoln City that had beaten Oxford and Charlton and um, by soaking up the pressure. That's what we went there to do, soak up the pressure, hit on the break. It's the sort of game that the likes of Zach Albazetti would have been brilliant in, in the last, last stages as well, because as they were as they were coming on to us, certainly with 11 players, we would have got deeper and deeper. Our breaks would have been quicker and quicker. Um, and that's just that's kind of the approach. And it, it's almost like a mental approach that like you go to someone's ground and you're ex- they're expected to come onto you. And there's no reason why that would be the case with no fans in the ground, none whatsoever. What familiarity? Familiarity is not a, a reason to go and play defensively. So, but you know, I think that's a certain psychology that it's almost like you, you go to someone else's house, you, you know, you're up against it, um, even though there were no fans in. And then obviously the red card did change the complexion. OK, they did roll up in a ball and said, you know, if you... If the if the aim was to kick them in the stomach, they basically rolled up in a ball, covered their stomach, and said, "You can't kick us in the stomach now, and just let's kick us everywhere else instead." <laughs> um, and it, it was it was not strange to see, but it was disappointing to see. I mean, I could from a from a competitive point of view, um, and it meant that then we went into the type of game that we had to play against. For instance, Shrewsbury at our place. Uh, Bristol Rovers at our place where you know these are two teams that are desperate not to get beat willing to put their bodies on the line and let's you know let's be honest Portsmouth weren't bad they were bad from an attacking sense but they were very good from a defensive sense so like Tom Naylor I thought he had a really good game for them in the middle of the park um, doing what he, he possibly could to kind of stem the attack but it was then up to us to unpick the lock and it was fascinating to almost to see us switch from one to the other very quickly because you know being honest, we were very good in the last 15 minutes of the first half. You talk about the reasons for that all the time, uh, as much as you want. But we had some decent efforts at goal when we were having to go on to them, when we had to switch our game plan very quickly. Um, and I think that's probably something that people don't think is that difficult when it actually is. If you've planned all week or, or, or for a couple of days or whatever for a certain approach, and then something changes in the game like that, it can affect you as well and the intensity did drop out of the game and I think the commentators quite correctly said you know this will affect Lincoln as much as it affects Portsmouth not in the fact that um, not in a negative way but in the way that we then have to change our approach and for a team like us that are very very well drilled and coached very very well actually that's quite a big factor and I'm not you know People listening to this who are from Portsmouth will be saying, is that guy seriously trying to say that us having a man sent off was detrimental to Lincoln? It's not the point. It's not exactly what I'm trying to say. But the point I'm trying to make is that there is a a negative effect on us as well as a positive effect. Um, And I think that's worth acknowledging. Yeah, and it it was, um, I think it showed just, 
the the adaptability of the team and just the you know the, the way that they can think on the feet um because it, like I said the, the game plan was there and we knew what they were going to do um I thought the first half an hour you know as much as we said they didn't really create too much I thought it was a decent showcase for for football uh, at this level you know we it was played with a decent pace um you know kind of fairly end to end as much as there was nothing really in, the, in the, the final third for creative you know creativity from Portsmouth I thought it was it was a solid game to watch and then it, it kind of you know changed on half an hour and ultimately uh, you know kind of ran out the winners now let's just talk about um let's talk about Morgan Rogers because obviously coming on getting the goal um it's easy to sit and you know sit and say oh, I was delighted for him because it you know first professional goal um but looking a little bit further back I think when he comes on um it gave us a little bit more than uh than we had so I think Anthony Scully had a, one of those games where he was excellent up to a point and then I think they almost sussed him out um sorry my neighbor's just arrived home and has his radio in his van ridiculously loud yeah I can hear that no worry carry on Part yeah, of the anyway. CC West podcast's ex- uh, rich tapestry. My dog was snoring a minute ago, but I just didn't even mention it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, like you know, I, I thought I thought they they seemed to figure Scully out. Um, so bringing Morgan Rogers on gave us that little bit of extra pace, that little bit of extra strength that that I think we needed, and ultimately it paid off because he got his goal after some really really nice work and a, a really good ball from Conor McGrandles who. I'm delighted he's back in the squad because he seems to be on form at the minute. Yeah, it's interesting. I'd, I'd have to disagree that they figured Scully out. I don't think um, I don't think that they were that kind of reactive. I think they basically just stood firm and, and put what we had to throw out and we threw out them and what Scully threw out them wasn't sufficient to get through. So we tried a, a, a something different. I, yeah, I don't think he particularly drifted out of the game. He was still rattling shots off from all over the place. Interesting, because my dad was quite critical um, when I spoke to him last night. So, you know, well, Scully would just shoot from bloody anywhere. And I thought, but in the beginning of the season, people were saying that we didn't shoot from anywhere. So it's just funny how perceptions change. Mm. Um, yeah, Morgan did change the game to a degree. Um, he came on, obviously, um, has an injection of pace, set up a chance for Conor McGrandall almost immediately, fouled for what was a definite penalty um, minutes mm. afterwards when he, he came across the area. And you know, everyone said, oh, he got the ball. And their defender was nowhere near the ball. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then obviously he's taken up a good position for the goal. But Conor McGrandles, I'm pleased you've spoken about him uh, because I was going to as well. He was he was far by far the best player in a Lincolnshire, and we, we there were some great players on the field. Aoma had a fantastic game, um, by far the best player on the pitch uh, for me. He at the minute is getting the highest score on the Stacey West ratings that any player has got for any game this season. Um, he was just awesome um his movement was phenomenal he was back heading off the line um i'm not going to talk too much about his movement and positioning because i think we're going to do a spot on match day live um with the with the tactical pad but sufficient to say that i've, I've analyzed mcgrandall's um performance uh, to quite a, a an intricate level uh today and yeah it's going to be very very hard for james jones um to find a way back into the side at the moment and that's no you know, no slur on Jones at all. But we have got a group of players here who, when one gets a chance, he takes it. 
and you, you only have to look at Jackson and Walsh. You know, they've got a chance over Monsma and they've gone and kept a clean sheet at, at Fratton Park. Mm. You know, Harry Anderson dropped out. Scully took got a chance, kept it. You know, players, when they get their chances, are taking those chances. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's so impressive. What you would consider to be the starting eleven now is very different to the starting eleven at the beginning of the season. And in actual fact, nobody's played badly to force themselves out of it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like you're looking at you're looking at just the what you say about the scores on on the uh, on the site. It's I'm I'm really really at a loss to pick just a starting eleven for Lincoln City at the moment. You know, you, you can't. You can't single out one player over another at the minute um, because whenever anybody, like you say, whenever anybody comes on, they take the chance and they do really well with it. Um, and I just think it's it's the best possible headache for Michael to have at the moment um, because you've got players that are hungry. They've got that competition within the team. Um, and ultimately, it will benefit, you know, benefit the squad and it will benefit the club. So, um, yeah, just... I, I wouldn't I wouldn't dare to to pick a squad or a, a starting eleven for uh, for Saturday's game. I'll tell you that now. It changes every week. Yeah. Because the thing is, you know, you would have picked Rogers and Johnson to have gone into uh, the Northampton game, but then you shouted McGrandles to come in for the next game. So it, I think it does change. And you know, in, in days gone by, and I, I, I find it crass sometimes to compare to previous managers, but. You can't help but look at success that Danny Cowley had. And we had that success on probably 11 players with one or two. Um, you, know, you always knew the changes, certainly in the playoff season and the EFL trophy winning season. You knew the 11 and then it was Palmer and Whitehouse off the bench and everybody else was kind of there in case an injury happened. Um, whereas here, right now at Lincoln City, we, we probably have a 15 where any one of them could start and be you know first team players there are there are a selection of players dare i say who are probably classed as reserves mm. um so you know you would have obviously palmer monsma jackson and walsh all first team potential um aoma and eden without a doubt um then you've got grant mcgrandles uh bridcut jones hopper johnson Rogers, Scully, you know, these are all players who are considered first team players. Then you have the next level, which is probably Remy Howard, Theo Archibald, Sean Rowan, Max Melbourne, who they're not the also rants. So they're not players that you think, oh God, if they play, you know, we're going to be under the strength. Mm. They're, they're players that you can trust to do a job at this level, but they're probably the fringe players. And I forgive me if I've left anybody out of that particular little run through. Um, so, yeah, it's, I, I, and, you know, with potentially, Michael says he wants to make two more before the deadline as well. So, you know, if we stay injury free, we're in a decent position um, in terms of our squad going into the the next sort of bout of matches. And you would imagine if there's two to come in, personally, I, I would see somebody who can probably cover right back and maybe hold in midfield at the same time, um, and then and then potentially another forward player. But bear in mind, Callum Morton to come back as well. Yeah, of course. That's going to be. Um, I, th- I think. That should be within the next couple of weeks, I think, isn't it? Uh, he said he's back at the club at the moment. Uh, I think he's returned to us to finish the last few uh, matches of his rehabilitation. 
Uh, he may be involved before the end of February, but it might come too early. We also got a little a little um, snippet of how he did it. Apparently, it was I read somewhere that it was a, a an injury on the weight machine um, at the training yeah. end. Yeah, I heard that as well. Um, I think it might have been I think it might have been Rob that let that slip on the radio. But uh, yeah, it was it was it wasn't your typical training uh, accident by the sounds of it. So interested to hear about that because i know at the time they were a bit uh michael was a bit cagey about it yeah i mean you, you know these things happen um yeah an injury is an injury unfortunately <laughs> there's nothing you can do about it i don't think we've been impacted too much by not having kyle and morton because we're three points clear at the top of league one with a game in hand <laughs> but you do wonder if we had had kyle and morton because he is a different um prospect to tom maybe somebody like Callum might have been able to convert, you know, one nil defeat at Shrewsbury into a, or at home Shrewsbury into a one all draw. Um, in, interesting, very, very interesting to see where we go from here. I mean, I know we've, we've strayed away from Portsmouth a little bit. Um, and I, I think probably I just to cap it off. I, I would say it feels like our most complete performance of the season in that we mm. saw both sides of us. We kept on our, our job and we did have to deal with some very good players. It was just a bit of a shame that they, they kind of, after our goal, they kind of came at us. But whether that was more a case of, well, we've scored, we'll now stop you scoring. And if we get to hit you on the break, we will. I don't know. Um, yeah, it seemed um, it seemed a little bit like they were desperate for the draw. And then when we scored, I think they thought, well, we've conceded now. So, you know, we've not got anything else to lose. So we might as well go for it. It was, Ben, it was the first game this season where genuinely with four minutes injury time, I felt like going up for a Tom and coming back down after four minutes. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I got to that point. I, my, if my old man said he didn't, he stopped feeling sick around half time. And um, from the minute we scored until the minute uh, the referee blew his whistle, I was, yeah, uh, it was it was nice it's nice to feel something I mean I, yeah I, I love the wins I love football I get very very passionate about it um as, as I'm sure everybody does but it was just there was just something about that game that felt pivotal it just felt mm. like it, it it felt more like the wins that we got in the conference year because mm. it felt like we're the underdogs I didn't expect us to get you know we would all have taken a draw at the before the game and then with the red card you're thinking back to Peterborough thinking oh god what if we only get the draw here and when he played 10 men again you know and said to get the win I, I did let everything run away with me and it was very hard um doing my right up to remain kind of not neutral because obviously I'm a Lincoln City writer but um keep you know keep our feet on the ground yeah you know, yeah nobody wants to be the supporter that's like you know we beat you we beat you but i genuinely i wrote that i had that norway thing going around in my head you know like kenny jacket harry redknapp amanda <laughs> holder we beat your boys and we beat your boys good <laughs> oh man i mean it was it was such a nice feeling after the fact you know just kind of realizing hang on a minute we've just beaten portsmouth we're now top of the table clearly We've got three points, you know, we've got a three point gap. What, you know, what, what could be better at this moment in time? Um, uh, just 40, 46 games with a three point gap. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, you know, but I mean, like I say, at this point in time, not a well, huge yeah. amount. And to be fair, you know, we're probably only one draw from safety now. 
I mean, 50 has been relegated in uh, 2019, 2018 was 50 points as well. Um, I think 2017 was even 49. So, uh, you know, we're probably one draw from safety. Um, Joking aside, the big one that I'm looking at at the minute is the playoffs. And again, you know, we are nine points clear of Sunderland in seventh place having played the same amount of games. Okay, if Accrington win their games in hand, that would be reeled in, but it would then be eight points clear of Charlton with two game, uh, two games in hand. So, you know, there's a lot of big games to come and you know, there's a, the double head, the double league header with Hull will be absolutely huge in determining whether we are, you know, championship material or not. But there's tough games. You know, we've got to go to Peterborough. Not easy. But we will have been, you know, by, we will have played Doncaster twice by the end of this little period. We will have played Portsmouth twice. Um, you know, we've played Charlton and, and Sunderland already. We've got to go to those. They're going to be two big games as well. So yeah, I'd rather get them out of the way. Because, mm. you know, there's plenty of teams that you look and, and it'll this will move nicely into Doncaster. And it's a shame that we always announce our segues. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you look at the likes of Doncaster and people going, well, they've done really well. They have done really well. But in actual fact, they've only played, I think, one team in the top six since they beat us at their place. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the, the key thing for me is when people were saying to me on Saturday, you know, the, the Doncaster game is huge. Donny's huge. Donny's huge. I'm like... It is, but you know, as we've said, we've already played Doncaster this season. For me, I think the Hull games are are the bigger games um, because we, you know, we've yet to play Hull at all this season, and you know, somewhat somewhat annoyingly, we're going to probably end up playing them three or four times, well, at least three. Um, you know, it's we we haven't played them in the league yet, and we, you know, that is the that's the game for me um, because there's six points there that could you know be massive in terms of setting ourselves apart from them um, and I know obviously Doncaster have got the two games in hand and they could potentially um, you know make it up make the that ground up on us if they if they win them but yeah the, the whole games are huge for me but looking ahead to Saturday um, it's a tough one to call because at the minute I think we are two of the three t- uh, form teams in the league I think um, is it Oxford have Oxford have won the last six, and then it's um, then it's us, then it's Doncaster. Guess who Doncaster play next Saturday? Is it Oxford? Ding ding ding! Hey, there we go. And then there's the following Saturday they're away at Sunderland. Then Tuesday night they host Accrington, and the following Saturday they're at home to Hull. Then on the 27th of Feb they're away at Ipswich. Then on March Tuesday March the second they're at home to Portsmouth. Now that is a run and a half, isn't it? Yeah, and I've missed out a trip to Fleetwood on the a week on Tuesday as well, which you know Fleetwood are a, a, a quite a decent side at home. In fact, I think at home Fleetwood have conceded five goals all season, eight mm. goals all season. So, mm. um, yeah, look, you know, I'd taken your point about Hull. I, I can understand how people, you know. And looking at those and saying they're the biggest games of the season for me this one is for two reasons one it's the next one um and two if we were to win all our games between now and the end of the season and Doncaster were to do the same they could be above us and they're the only team in the division that could do that so you know if we are to beat Doncaster this weekend then and again it's pr- it's silly to say this after with 22 games left but our fate's in our own hands 
you know, we win the games we need to win, we go up. There's nobody can below us go, well, if we win our games, we'll go above you. So it's, it's huge in that respect. It's also huge because Doncaster are probably one of the best sides that we've played this season. Mm-hmm. Um, ahead of the podcast, I went back over um, my match report and you know, kind of familiarised myself with it. And, and they were incredibly good uh, against us. They knew exactly how to play against us. You know, When we lost to Portsmouth, we were... At, not weak, but we were at you know, we were a weakened side. I think it was young Sean Rowan at fullback, Ioma in middle of the defence, Scotts at fullback. So you could understand the reasons why we lost that. I think when you look at the Sunderland game, there was elements of that again where we were a little bit under strength. The Doncaster game, we went into it full strength. It was Monsmer and uh, Jackson or Walsh, I think it was Jackson. Um, Ioma, Eden, Grant. Do you know what I mean? It was relatively full strength. Um, the one massive difference uh, between uh, the team that lost uh, at the Keepmo and the team that will play uh, and hopefully win tomorrow as this goes out is Liam Bridcutt didn't play. Um, and I picked up in my uh, blog today that in actual fact, all the games that Lincoln have lost, uh, or that we've lost rather, going all the way back to just Bristol Rovers, Liam Bridcutt didn't play. So he didn't play against Shrewsbury when we lost, didn't play against Portsmouth when we lost, didn't play against Sunderland when we lost, didn't play against Doncaster when we lost. Um, so, you know, there's there's a trend for us to uh, to follow. But no, Doncaster. Um, so they'll, they're very much like us, actually, 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, depending on um, what the game requires. Uh, they've got some very, very good players. I mean, the, you know, people are going to talk about John Bostock, who's gone there. He could play for them this weekend. It could be his debut. Long term, they're hoping that he's going to be a replacement, the replacement for Ben Whiteman, who most of their football goes through um, until he moved to Preston. So they have been weakened a little by that, uh, by Whiteman leaving. You know, they've been on a decent run, but as I've said, you know, they beat Wimbledon uh, and Rochdale at home, Swindon away, uh, Burton away, uh, Swindon at home, and that takes you back to the 15th of December in the league. They lost to Shrewsbury at home. Okay, they beat Blackburn in the FA Cup, but pff, shocks happen. So it'll be interesting to see how they now do coming back up against a, a big club um, in terms of the league and not, you know, bigging us up. But I think since they played us on the 31st of October, um, they drew with Sunderland, uh, whether Sunderland were in the top six or not at that point, I don't know, and lost to Hull. Other than that, everybody that they've played have been sort of bottom half or mid-table at best. Um, So Magic Gomez could be back uh, for them. He's a player I think we spoke about on the podcast last time who could have a big impact. He's been... um, injured for quite a while he did really really well from at the beginning of the season i think he might even have been the uh player of the month uh but he's kind of struggled a little bit with injury i think it was four he scored in three but he's been out since since november so um you know huge that he could be back i really like matt smith in the middle of the park i think he's on loan from man city or they signed him from man city but he was a he was a real threat they had a lot called john taylor who tore Teo ed on one um on the flank i think his pace was just utterly phenomenal so that they're going to offer more of an attacking presence than a lot of teams but that plays into us because we like teams that come at us because then we can play at pace um, what they did really well, they suffocated us last time. Um, they were one of the first teams that stifled our possession game. They didn't let us build up slowly from the back. Um, and we didn't 
when I say we struggled, I mean, it was a game that you know, both teams had chances, um, but we had to adapt very quickly. I think since then, this team has developed, and I think that we are now more comfortable playing against teams that don't let us have space and time. Northampton, a classic example on Saturday. Uh, Doncaster, they were also hunting in packs when we played them last time, so it would be two-on-one, two-on-one all the time. We're going to have to keep that tempo up over a long period. Um, which is going to be interesting. They have a lot of players injured, uh, a lot of players who um, you know, would be very good at this level where they fit. Tyrese John-Jules, for instance, has been in and out of the side with injury. Rayhan Tollock, who's on from West Brom as well. So um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it, it's absolutely fascinating because you know, there are definitely, if you imagine the game like scales and you're putting the reasons we might win it on one side and the reasons we won't win it, or we may not win it on the other, they begin to balance out. They've lost Whiteman, um, but they've got Bostock. You know, they've got uh, John Jules injured, but they've got Gomez fit. They've been on a really good run, but it's been against teams that are mostly lower down. It's going to be so, uh, so interesting. Such an interesting game. Yeah, I I, I wasn't aware that uh, they'd, they'd had the injury problems that they've got. Um, so, yeah, I think when you sort of compare it to... To, to the scales I say I think that's an interesting um that's an interesting one uh I I just think you know like we said before if, if we keep looking after ourselves um we'll be okay and I think the the way that this team is going about things at the moment is is just phenomenal like the the, the biggest thing for me and I think I, I noted it on um on Saturday against Northampton was the the, the levels of fitness that this squad have got and this team have got is just brilliant. Like they, after it, it's something that we, we definitely saw in the national league with, with Danny Cowley's team was that after about an hour, you know, an hour, 17 minutes or so, we were still able to push and push and push at the opposition, but they were starting to tire. And I think when you get to that point, if you can keep your fitness high, then we're going to see, you know, we'll continue to see, late goals and we obviously had that against Northampton and then we had that on on Tuesday night but I think there was obviously other circumstances you know don't get me wrong I'm not saying that we were the fitter team against Portsmouth I think it was if it was 11 v 11 we you know probably would have been a draw but to to have that in the locker it kind of goes and and says great things about Michael and the coaching and the you know the ability that he's got there to, to get the best out of players and and really keep that going and I just wonder if that's going to play into our hands on Saturday as well depends very very much um on the opposition's fitness as well yes um, yeah, yeah. I think yeah I think that's that's something interestingly and when I say interestingly as people know I do use that in the very very <laughs> uh loosest term possible but interestingly Doncaster uh haven't scored uh, a goal in the second half of a game since the 19th of December. Okay. Um, so they, you know, they normally like to start well. There's, you know, it's always interesting because you're always looking for the indicators and you're looking for the form. And I, you know, I just think if we had played um, Wimbledon, Rochdale, Swindon, you would expect us to go in with a similar. You know, we we obviously have. We're in very much good in good form as well. But do you know what I mean? You would expect to win those games, and I think it's when you look at um, if Doncaster are looking at our run, and they're comparing it to their run. So they're you know they're looking at who they've played. They go, okay, yeah, fair enough. So since we've played. 
that. And bearing in mind, I've just said they played potentially two from the top ten in Sunderland and Hull. So since we've played them, we've played Portsmouth, uh, Accrington, Sunderland, Peterborough, Portsmouth. So we've played five in the league who are in and around us. And I, I just, you know, I just, I think when they look at our recent run and they see the win at Portsmouth, they see the win at uh, the draw with Peterborough, but they see that we've also swept aside Northampton, beaten Wimbledon, beaten Burton really well. They will be more worried coming to us than we would, than we should be them coming, if you know what I mean. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah. It, to be honest, it's got draw written all over it, and that would be a decent result in the context of the league. But you know, at this stage, you want to be pushing the um, pushing the advantage, don't you? And a, a win on Saturday, I mean, imagine how massive that that could potentially be. You know, if we were to take uh, three points from the game, bearing in mind the uh, the advantage that we already have over Hall, you know, with five points clear of Peterborough with the same amount of games as well. Um, yeah, just just be huge, and and then think about the you know who I keep saying you know sorry, think about who plays who as well. I mean Peterborough go to Shrewsbury on Saturday. That's not an easy game. Okay, Hall Swindon, you would expect Hall to bounce back from that. Um, I know Portsmouth are away at Charlton. That's quite a tough game for them. So you know, there isn't any easy um, fixtures for anybody at this level. And if we just keep winning games, other teams will drop points, and that gap will keep extending. And we might get them to thirty. 35 games and we're looking and that gap's still there or it's extended some more um yeah fascinating it's going to be a big weekend for the club with transfer window as well closing yeah absolutely we'll know a lot more when we record next week yeah i was gonna say i know we've got uh you know you said earlier we shouldn't announce the segues but that's a good one um because we can can obviously you know talk about rumors and and stuff like that um it's been uh sort of announced slash rumoured on Twitter um, that uh, Michael Mancien has been on trial at the Imps, um, former Chelsea man. Um, Could be an interesting one. Uh, It it wouldn't necessarily be a player that I think would normally fit into what we'd imagine of a Michael Appleton side, but the quality's there, isn't it? Yeah, I disagree with um, saying that he's probably not going to be not typical Michael. I mean, Liam Bridcut, there's a classic example. There's very little difference between him and Michael Mancien. I think they came up together or a year apart, maybe at Chelsea. They both played for Forest. They both played, you know, football at a really good level. What I would see in Mancien is, um, if indeed it is true, and, and as you say, it's not announced, but it's rumoured on Twitter. Um, if it is true. What you've got is a player, certainly with experience, who younger players would look up to. Um, you've certainly got somebody who wouldn't come potentially expecting first-team football because he's you know, he left New England Revolution in January, potentially. He hasn't played an awful lot over in MLS. Maybe looking for uh, something to relaunch his career here in, in England. So six months with us, then earns him a, a two-year deal elsewhere uh, for the rest of League One next season. Um, what he also has is flexibility and that fits perfectly in with Michael Appleton because you've got a guy here who's played centre-back, right-back and holding midfield. And he played both holding midfield and right-back for Forest as recently, I think, as 2018 or whenever he was last there. Um, perfect Robbie Gotts replacement because it's going to be hard to bring in a lone player at the moment um, who's going to cover those positions, who's going to be decent enough to help with a League One promotion push 
uh, who a club are going to be willing to let go. Because what can we say to them? Well, yeah, Lone is your exciting young player that you want to get senior football. Uh, mm. He's going to he's going to be cover for right back. He's going to be our fifth choice central midfielder. So it's very very hard to say that. Whereas if you turn to somebody like Mancien, um lots of benefits off the field because he's played in Bundesliga with Hamburg. Let's not forget all that kind of promise with Chelsea. MLS experience as well. So you're talking about an awful lot of um, experience, but then he may not expect to play off the first team right back. He certainly wouldn't be dislodging TJ Ioma without a fight. If Bridders then can't get through Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, which I suspect might be an issue, you've got somebody who's equally as adept, equally as comfortable on the ball. It, it, it would seem to be a really sensible move if it is indeed something that we're looking to pull off. Yeah. I, I think in terms of loan players, when you think that you can only have five, I think, in the matchday squad, I'm not sure if that's been relaxed or not for um, this season. I know that a couple of the rules have been relaxed, but if you can only have five in the matchday squad, Palmer, Ioma, Johnson, um, Rogers, and there's one other completely escapes me, got Morton as well. Be very difficult. Mm. Um, be very difficult to bring in another loan player. I did, do you know that the rule on not being able to play for more than two clubs has now been relaxed? Yes, I did see that. Um, mm. I initially saw that. I think it was related to it might have been Morgan Rogers actually, because I think people were saying that he played in the City and Man City under 23s when they came to us. Yeah, no, it wouldn't have been Morgan Rogers because obviously he would still have only played for two clubs, Man City and us. Probably yeah, be with it. probably been in relation to Aaron Lewis. Could have been, yeah. Um, I can't remember stuff. Maybe yeah, I, I had seen that. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Very good. Um, right. So we've got some. Re- I think there was another. Um, Michael obviously said, you know, possibly looking at one, maybe two coming in. Um, before the end of the window, which is obviously going to be uh, Sunday, Saturday. When's the window closing? Is I, it think Sunday? I think it's Sunday, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I mean, no doubt we'll, you know, some people will be uh, tuned into the circus that is Sky Sports News on Sunday. But uh, yeah, interesting one. Hopefully we can get a couple more through the door. I doubt we'll get anybody in ready for the game on Saturday and I think honestly if we did get somebody in I, I doubt they'd go straight into the starting 11 um, given what we've discussed already and just said you know that the starting 11 at the minute is difficult to pick out so um, yeah I'm I'm intrigued to see what happens with these um, I've heard a couple of mumblings but I, I don't really know anything other than what we've spoken about to be honest Ooh, what else have you heard because I've heard nothing well I you know what I've heard because I told you Oh, okay, yeah, no names, just cryptic quiz style. Yeah, somebody somebody told me something and I was like, oh, okay, what's the name? And then, oh, I can't, I don't know. I was like, oh, for Christ's sake. Um, So, yeah, there may be be a couple by the sounds of it. But um, I don't think there's much else to talk about in the in the way of Lincoln City this week is there I don't know if we mentioned it we just ought to get it in but um, Portsmouth had a man sent off on Tuesday night did they oh shit mm. yeah alright fair enough we should probably get that in there that's fair it's only um, fair on Portsmouth isn't it? I mean if you, yeah, if you go down to 10 men basically 
you are just you know you've got to be aggressed against i know that we're taking the mick a little bit but i go i i think that we are very good on this show of trying to be um objective i, I always try if we have a red card to look at it objectively i try not to blast referees and then i hate to see that partisan comment where people um just lay into a decision what they 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 can't possibly have that decision. Mm. You'd say that's not even a foul. And then you look at that. There was a guy on Twitter from Portsmouth. I've actually just retweeted something because he said he had popped back to a thread when the appeal was upheld. And I've just kind of retweeted it with a little wave at him saying, hello, fella. Um, <laughs> you haven't popped back yet, have you? Uh, cause, uh, you look at it and then you look back and these people are commenting on football. I'm just thinking, how are you commenting on football? There's debate whether it's a red card. You can have that debate. You can have sensible debate. And, you know, the Lincoln feedback was split. My gut feeling was no red card. And then I looked it back and it was a red card. And I know we're going on about it, but we're only doing what Portsmouth are doing, aren't we? And they're Portsmouth media and all that sort of thing. Mm. Just shrug off the victim. Yeah, you're not the victims, lads. It's one game. You, know, yeah. you wouldn't be seven. You're not seven points behind us or whatever it is because Jack Mottmore was sent off. You're seven points behind us because you know, over the first 23 games, you haven't been as good as we've been. Mm. Yeah, That's totally. Simple. I will say, actually, at one point... Um, I was sort of semi listening to the uh, to the commentary from the kitchen as I was grabbing a drink. I could I could have sworn that the commentator said that uh, Jack Mulhall had been sent off. I was like, what? It, no, it's not. It's it's yeah, it's Jack Mulhall. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. I don't really know what more to say about that. To be honest, <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure Jack's ears have probably just perked up. But uh, I'll, I'll yeah. have a search on Y Scout and see if Jack Mulhall's on there. But I'm pretty sure. And that rather than being a, a Portsmouth <laughs> defender, he's a he's a, a cynical Lincoln. Not cynical. Um, I can't think of the word that would adequately describe Jack. Kind I'm letting of, you yeah. dig your own grave on this. No, one, no, right? no. I've got nothing to cut because Jack's got a, a certain way. Um, it's not cynical because he, he, it's the way that he delivers things can be cutting and to the point, but always backed up. You know, he never he never says something that he doesn't understand what he's saying or he doesn't um, he doesn't have a reason for saying it. Do you know what I mean? You know, like some people will just go on Twitter going, oh, Lincoln City are going to win this game. We're going to win 8-0 and blah, blah, blah. You don't get any of that from Jack. If he thinks we're going to lose, he thinks we're going to lose. If he's got something to say to a person about something they've done or said, he will say it and he, you know, he's, he won't hide behind anything. Uh, I, I, I like that. Um, but the word isn't cynical and I can't think what it is. About yeah. I do too much word stuff during the day to try and do it at half six at night. The fact that you just said word stuff I mean, <laughs> probably shows that. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Right. Is there anything else we need to talk about before we disappear? I don't think so. Just say okay. I've just picked up a new patron on the site, Stuart. Thank you for that. I'm just got. It's not that I'm checking my emails and doing Twitter while we're recording the podcast or anything, but Ben no. was talking. So dick wouldn't have thought you'd have done anything else um <laughs> but no I, I just wanted to say um just a, a little something really um this is the first time in 13 years that something's gone out uh that i've made or you know helped to help to create on uh, on this on this date um I've sort of danced around it on on the podcast before, um, and you know some people people that know me or follow me on social media will will know already. But um, yeah, thirteen years ago uh, today, um, unfortunately, uh, lost my dad. Um, it's a very tough time of year, and 
uh, every January is a is a really difficult few weeks because it, it's it you know we went from finding out that he was ill to uh, 50 days later uh, losing him. So um, I just want to say thank you to everybody that's been you know supportive on on social media and has, has reached out because I know there's been there's been quite a few that have sent me uh, DMs and and spoken to me and. Uh, it's um it's really appreciated and it's you know that goes from uh individuals and it, it goes all the way back to the football club as well because um when you know when when everything happened um the club were phenomenal with us you know he's the reason that I supported Lincoln City he is the um the reason that I've got um some very important dates tattooed on my arm next to the football club's badge you know he is he he was my life for a long time and um when the club you know when the club found out that he'd passed um obviously we've spoken before about um personal reasons for for disagreeing around uh, around peter jackson um, but peter came to see my dad the day before uh, he passed in the hospital and um he told me then that he was he'd been diagnosed with cancer himself um and the fact is that peter saw my dad in in the worst possible way um and from that point, the club were amazing. Um, you know, they they gave us um, a flag to to drape over the coffin at the funeral. They, you know, they let us have the um, what was the executive suite at the time. You know, the, what's now the uh, um, I can't remember what it's called now, but where the you know where the, the trophy cabinet is and in the St Andrews stand, we we were allowed to have that for the way. You know, they were just so supportive and so. Um, so incredible and it's it's the fact that that feeling has come back to the football club now um which is one of the reasons that i feel so strongly for this club um so before i you know go off on a massive ramble and end up probably drowning myself in uh, in floods i just want to say you know that tonight if you could um get yourself a takeaway curry and get yourself some beers and uh, raise a glass to paul because it would mean a lot and uh yeah that's sort of what i wanted to say um and uh yeah we'll see you next week it's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.